previously on the Twistcast. Last time, we started our X-Men month, where we started looking back at all the different X-Men movies that we've gotten over the years, ranked them in our personal orders, mm-hmm. got a little contentious there toward the end. It's got contentious toward the start, too. Oh, yeah, it was contentious the entire time. And I was in a real, <laughs> I was in a real fucking salty mood. You were, you were a salty boy. Uh, BOI. And we did talk a little bit about the X-Men uh, TV shows that we've gotten, but... I mean, I hadn't really seen any of the cartoons, so it was more yeah. just Mike telling me why I should watch them. Yeah. And then our, our favorite X-Men, uh, our top five. Yes, our top five X-Men. Yes. Yes. So. Hola y bienvenidos a este episodio muy especial de The Twistcast, el podcast oficial de The Twisted Cape. Me llamo Jesse y él se llama Miguel. Hola dice a la gente Miguel. Huh. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, uh, welcome to a very special podcast episode of the podcast of the Twistcast, the official podcast of the Twisted Cape. Uh, my name is Jesse. I'm Mike. We're going to make that extra word this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we usually do it the other way. Yep. You're, you're generally last in the Yep. <laughs> so, uh, at the time of recording, Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S. has just started. Uh, so, we figured... Why not have an episode dedicated to highlighting some of these Hispanic characters, both on the page and writing said pages, aka the creators, um, and just bringing a little more attention to this community as a whole. Uh, So we're going to dive into that in just a moment, but we got a little bit of news to get through. So, Mike. Thank you, Jess. As always, we will go ahead and start with comics. In case you're new here, we run through a bunch of different pieces of news. Uh, I dropped the headlines, a little bit about the story, and uh, you get to react. So, starting with comics, uh, Marvel announced a new self-titled ongoing series starring one Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch. Uh, It'll be written by Steve Orlando, uh, artist is Sarah Pacelli, and colorist is Matt Wilson. How are you feeling about a Scarlet Witch solo, buddy? I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It, so was it called Scarlet Witch or was it called uh, One uh, Maximoff? I think it's yeah, I think it's Scarlet Witch. Okay, all right, yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. Like any of the magic mystical bullshit, yeah, give it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. give it to me. I've always loved her her power set in particular. It's very much like so. Last week we talked about Domino a bit with mm-hmm. luck, but originally Wanda's power was that she was able to fuck around with probability like a lot which is basically the same thing but yeah 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 well it's more math driven so i was like okay <laughs> i mean you know probabilities anyway uh so i i've always found her fascinating well, and she the, said to really harness like chaos magic right yeah it's basically her thing so chaos yeah. is just bad probability so yeah. technically <laughs> it is all just probability bad for who though right like exactly she can make your gun misfired that's bad for you great for whoever you were pointing it at exactly you know? yeah uh yeah so it's lots, lots of that lots of that uh, dc has announced what comes after dark crisis on infinite earths mm-hmm. and it's a new editorial era known as the dawn of the dcu don't know how to feel about this hey we've we've already done darkest night and brightest day right like we're kind of Kind of doing a whole thematic but, but, thing over but, again. But we haven't hit dawn yet. 
And I, I, I tell you, the next one's probably going to be Sunset. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> Let's keep it together. No, I think that's trademarked by uh, vampires. <laughs> Not if you call it, like, they'll probably come up with some stupid name like Twilight Crisis or something. Oh my God. If that happens, I, will, I might actually quit reading comics. <laughs> uh, we get a relaunched Miles Morales Spider Man number one in December. Written by Cody Ziglar and uh, Federico Vincentini, who's doing a lot of, um, who's done a lot of covers, done some X Men stuff, um, and it's really bringing Miles back to his roots as a street level hero, uh, and pairing him with a new Mister, uh, uh, no, sorry, new Mister, a new mentor, whose name is Misty Knight. Oh, Miles and Misty. Oh, oh. kind of have your attention now, don't I? That, that's gonna be fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, if you remember, starting late last year, uh, Marvel killed off Doctor Strange. Yes. And his estranged wife, Clea, ascended to the throne of Sorcerer Supreme for both the Dark Dimension and Earth. Doctor Strange will return in December's Strange Number Nine. I think some fuckery might be afoot because Jed McKay. Uh, has said that he's dead. Like, he's dead, dead. Like, we watched him die. Like, so, hmm. I like, I side-eyed this, like, real hard. Like, what are you doing? What are you up to? Loki, what are you doing this time? You tricky, tricky, <laughs> tricky man. Jen McKay's a phenomenal red. I really, uh, I got to talk to Alex and get him on the show, because uh, I feel like you might enjoy talking to that, uh, that witty Canadian. <laughs> Uh, and finally here, Tom King's Black Label series, Danger Street, which we talked about maybe like a year and a half ago, is finally going to hit shelves in December of this year. Will uh, it, though? I mean, probably. <laughs> probably. Will it? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. All right, moving on to Worlds of DC. Worlds. Worlds. Warner Brothers is dropped today. Has set a Constantine sequel mm-hmm. with Keanu Reeves and director Francis Lawrence reuniting. Uh, it'll be scripted by Akiva Goldsman and will be produced by J.J. Abrams and uh, Hannah Minghella. So, yep, I was so my I was talking to my friend um, about it about an hour ago. He was the one that we were watching. We just watched oh, it yeah, like two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, so. Nice little he, bit of serendipity there. Yeah, he texted me that, and I'm just like, wait, really? Why Constantine? I'm like, and we got talking about it a little bit, and we think it's because Keanu Reeves is still like a big actor in Hollywood right now that people love. And given recent things with other actors in the DC universe that we have talked about at length, mm-hmm. they might want to bring in a less contentious person that everyone loves just to get some good faith going. A little goodwill. That yeah. might be one of the reasons why they done. There could be other reasons, but we think that, that might be one of the big reasons. I, I, I've yet to meet a person that's like, I hate Keanu Reeves. I oh, know Keanu Reeves is great. That's right. It's a lo- lovable goofball. Sure is. Uh, speaking of Constantine, though, the J.J. Abrams series that were coming out on HBO Max, Constantine and Madam X are now no longer moving forward at HBO Max. Obviously, hmm. Constantine makes sense with there being a sequel, uh, but Madam X might actually land somewhere else, depending on if people pick it up. Again, one of those real interesting things where it's like, okay, where? 
I mean, it could go to Netflix. They 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 have a working relationship already. Go could go to Netflix and they could just cancel it after a season, like uh, like Probably. They, like you do. Mm-hmm. That's part of the course over there. I, I really want to drop that service. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm about done. Uh, okay, Titans has cast Titus Welliver, who you may know from Sons of Anarchy, as Lex Luthor for season four. Okay, so. I think Lex in that show could actually work very well. Mm-hmm. It I could. It, it could. <laughs> there, there, there's the big if. And you have a, you have a Superboy that's very like important to his mythos. So I think uh, I, I think this season is supposed to be set in Metropolis, mm. just overall. Okay. Which would make sense. All right. Yeah. I love Lex as a villain. Like he's yeah. one of my favorite villains of any of them, which is See, weird because he's like just a dude, but. He's a very smart dude. And a yeah. Very calculating dude. Yeah. That's why I love him. He's a little jealous bitch. Uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers has announced the third season of Doom Patrol will be heading to Blue Blu-ray uh, this November. The interesting thing there is they've been constantly removing stuff off of HBO Max. So if you know you really love the show, you, you should probably buy it. Just because, I, look, I, it's hard for me to continue to buy Blu-rays right now. But at the same time, if there's something I, I really enjoy and I want to go back and watch again, and it gets from, it gets pulled from a service, Aquaman King of Atlantis, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to then go back and watch those things if if they're just pulled and not really anywhere else. That's true, but I'm running into the problem where I've gone straight, like dived headlong into the streaming age, and I don't own anything that I can play a Blu-ray anymore. I uh, my Xbox, and that's the only thing. Like and I've got. Even- I got my PS4, um, but the last time I tried to use a Blu-ray in that thing, it stuttered a bit, so I don't think it's Ooh. doing too well with that. Um, and my PS5 is digital only, so... Same. I did the same thing. I, I was like, why? I get most of my things digitally now. Yeah. Um, even on my Xbox, like I, I, I bought it with... The only reason I have one with a, with a disc slot is because it was the beefy model. And the beefy model is the one... Uh, that had a little more power and actually had a disc. Yeah. So, eh, you know, I got, I got it. It's fine. Uh, and finally, here, uh, Superman and Lois. Uh, new photos from the set have revealed uh, a new suit for Tyler Hoechlin. I feel like the colors are a little better. Is it it's not, not as dark? Yeah, I think they're a little bit brighter, especially the cape. The cape, like. The blue is fine, but it's the it's the cape that should really pop, and in this case, the cape okay. really really pops. All right, moving on to multiversal MCU and all their TV stuff. We got a confirmed Thunderbolts line. So this happened. So we recorded the day before the Marvel panel at D twenty three. So mm-hmm. most of this is going to be D twenty three stuff. Uh, the Thunderbolts lineup got confirmed. So it'll be Val. Um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Dreyfus. There we go. Uh, we have Ghost. So we have. Yeah, that I, was that was a bit of a shock to me. I'm like Ghost. Yeah. But okay. Sure. Uh, Red Guardian. Yelena Belova. Bucky. U.S. Agent and Taskmaster. How are you feeling about that lineup? Honestly, for the most part, it kind of seems like the B team of yeah. villains. Yeah. Mainly because I keep killing the A team. Um, yeah. I'm a little surprised that there's no Zemo in that. 
I Same. kind of expected there to be some. Ghost was a, like I said, Ghost was a out of the blue pick for me, but I didn't they cure her ghost powers in the movie? I think so. So why is she still a villain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, she has a very particular set of skills. I guess. Okay. Um, I but mean, it'll be interesting. Like, yeah. Bucky's not exactly a villain. He, he's not a villain anymore. So uh, that one was a little confusing. Yelena is like, is she a villain? So, I mean, she's she's a spy and a pretty freaking good one. I feel like she's been manipulated by Madame Hydra a little bit. So, so that one I can let slide a little bit. But I, so. I don't know. I think of that movie, Yelena is going to be the show stealer because she is in everything that she's in. Every scene. Lawrence Pugh is amazing. She is. She's, she's um, But I don't know. We'll see. It's not one that I'm super excited for. Again, I don't understand why this one is the end of the phase. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drive me insane until we get some kind of clear direction. And I yeah. don't know that we're going to get that right away. Uh, speaking of phase, uh, Jeff Loveness, who is writing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, also has written some Rick and Morty for fans of that mm. show, uh, is going to be writing Avengers the Kang Dynasty. So he gets to... Well, not introduced because we've been introduced to Kang. Pretty Loki, much introduced. But you get to handle Kang in like back to back big movies. And like, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of a good way to handle it, especially if they work well together and and they really like understand the character. I feel like mm-hmm. that's nice. That's a nice piece. Uh, we got a slide in Marvel movies here. One for. Uh, February 16th, 2024, got moved to September 6th, 2024, uh, and it's an untitled film. Hmm. So I'm okay. curious. I'm a little curious. I think, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> uh, production for Captain America, New World Order has uh, begun, well, I'm sorry, will begin at the start of 2023. I'm um, kind of curious about that movie i'm curious to see what they do with it yeah so the cast has added tim blake nelson um carl lumby as isaiah bradley uh tim nelson tim blake nelson was uh leader i believe in yeah. the incredible hulk uh, or set up that way anyway that uh, movie that everyone remembers so fondly so fondly <laughs> uh carl lumby is isaiah bradley who uh in for, for you young Avengers fans is Patriot uh, Danny Ramirez as Joaquin Torres who uh, comics fans will remember uh, so he was in Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, he was the he was the kid that was running around with Sam that, that was helping him out Latino don't remember maybe, very well. That's maybe. Okay. well he becomes Falcon um, oh, okay. like an organic non-mechanical one his powers become like gnarly. And uh, finally, <laughs> Shira Haas as the Israeli superhero Sabra, who will be the main antagonist for the film. Now, people got kind of upset there because I can understand that. Yeah, the whole Israel Palestine yeah. thing. And they were like, Marvel was like, we're going to do something different there. And I was just like, 
we'll see. Because every time you every time you've done something quote unquote different lately has been just not not good. That and like with a movie called New World Order and you're fighting an Israeli villain doesn't really send a great message. Sure doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, also, at D23, we got a look at the Secret Invasion trailer with one Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. at the center. What'd you think? That was a very intense trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, all the shots, all the cuts, the music, it was just intense. There's no way to describe it beyond that. I, I think that could be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see what they do. It seems like it's going to be a major thing in the MCU like it's going to be almost like an Avengers level thing where it's going to have major impl- implications for things moving forward so I'm curious to see who they decide to actually make a scroll and who's going to how they're going to handle everything and what this all is going to be like so uh, again I kind of wish this was the focus of a phase it makes right? more sense to have been yes actually what if it is what if this what if, is what like leads? what if this this whole secret invasion thing is the focus of the phase that leads to the end with thunderbolts because then it puts it has the thunderbolts take the place of the avengers because they stop the scrolls mm-hmm. it could be issue. could be my only thing there is that then you're trying to do the whole secret invasion storyline while also trying to set up kang in the background Mm-hmm. which I feel like given Marvel's track record recently may not go so well. True. True. Just a, uh, just a thought, just a thought. Just try to tie it all together because that's what they're trying to do. And it's just like, I don't, I don't I get mean, it. If they can do that and bring all these loose threads together, I will be so happy because I just love that shit. But yeah, like <laughs> but, if it, if it retroactively makes older shit better like i'd be impressed yeah i mean i'm hoping that it's that but we'll see yeah put us in charge when does that come out again uh early 2023 okay uh and then they debuted something dropping in just a couple of weeks uh, we'll probably throw it in when we talk about she hulk and harley quinn which actually finale hit this week uh werewolf by night um mm-hmm. so that's being directed by michael Cicchino, who is who's done a lot of composing for project like honestly if there's any pixar or anything hey, lately he's done it he's it's usually done, him yeah it's spider-man I, I, honestly just the guy's incredible as a composer but he's taking a directorial spin uh for this <laughs> what did you think it looks like schlocky horror and i love it <laughs> <laughs> i look we we have we've lined up for our dunks on Marvel lately, but I like they kind of take a risk and do something and makes it look really fucking campy. Like it just mm-hmm. looks like nineteen fifties hard, like just really aged out like the minute it was shot. Yep. Like yep. it just looks so bad. And then um but like bad on purpose. And then there's a bunch of again, quick shots in there, like the makeup isn't great. I think that's on purpose. Costumes aren't necessarily great, and I think that's on purpose. I cannot wait to watch this. <laughs> uh, same. I- I'm right there. I-, I think 
it looks like we might get Elsa Bloodstone um, from uh, the the way the trailer looked, and that one main girl looks like she might be Elsa Bloodstone, who's a who's a monster hunter. Obviously, we get the werewolf, uh, but we also I don't know if you caught it got a glimpse of Man Thing. Uh, oh in there, no, I didn't. Who's very tied to more? It's just like kind of Swamp Thing, very tied to the horror scene um, in Marvel. So I'm I'm curious. Very curious. Okay. Uh, then we got the news that Marvel cast uh, Rashid Olewola in uh, Ironheart. Uh, so, cool. Good on you. Speaking of armored characters, Don Cheadle's Armor Wars got officially set, Like even though they skipped over it at, at Comic-Con. Yeah, it was, was supposed to be out by this point, wasn't it? Like, it got delayed and delayed and delayed. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. And Jess, in order to wrap up the news, I'm going to do your favorite part right here. We got some new release dates for Sony Marvel films. Are oh, you ready? Oh, good. The, is, the bad, the Hunter. Is, is the Bad Bunny film in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Craven the Hunter, October 6th of 2023. I know you're waiting with bated breath for that one. Ooh. And then Madam Web got slid back to February 16th, 2024. Let's go. Cool. How often do you forget those two movies exist? Until uh, I, I already movies. have. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh everyone, Jeez. that's your news. Oh god. Okay. Let's swiftly move on to our main topic of the night. <laughs> Sony Marvel, let's go. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, no. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag, Hashtag because, because comics. Hey everybody, Sam here from the Twisted Cape. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out the Twisted Capes Tee Public page, which we have live right now for you to purchase any and all of your clothing needs with Twisted Cape logos on them. We got shirts, socks, maybe. Wow. We got other shirts with hoods on them, and they have longer sleeves. So warm. We got everything you could ever want with Twisted Cape logos on them. So, again, please be sure to check out the Twisted Cape's Tee Public page. Check out the link in the description and be sure to pick up your favorite stuff right now. Thanks, everybody. We're going to move on to a more interesting topic. <laughs> there. Uh, so, again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we are going to take a, celebrate Hispanic characters in comics. Uh, so if you had listened to any of our prior stuff back in June, we're going to handle it the same basic way. I've got a list of characters for both DC and Marvel. Um, going to just list off a few characters, give you a little bit of information about them. We're just going to have a conversation about the character, what we think about them, where they've appeared, uh, just kind of our overall impressions for the character. So we got a bunch of characters as well as creators that we're going to run through. Uh, before I get started with the actual list, though, I figured it might be worthwhile to just throw a few definitions out there in case you're not familiar with some of the terms for the community. 
Um, so starting with just the big one, Hispanic. Um, if you're not familiar, Hispanic just basically refers to anyone that's from or descended from a country that speaks Spanish. Um, so Mexico, Honduras, uh, Chile, any of those countries, basically. Um, another term that is going to get thrown around quite a bit on this list is Chicano. So if you're not familiar with the term Chicano, it's basically just a Mexican-American. Um, like, in, for instance, my dad is from Mexico. I was born in the U.S. I'm technically half Chicano. Uh, yeah, it's just a fun term to throw around. Um, and I may slip in country names uh, in Spanish throughout this list. Uh, just out of pure habit. Um, I'll try and put them in English, but eh, it'll probably slip out in Spanish. So do both. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's do both. Why not? Teach you some Spanish words. <laughs> You'll be fluent Teach by the time all we're the done. bad ones. Teach me all the bad ones. I like the bad ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's just dive straight into this. So we're going to start with some DC characters. So the first one I've got on my list is Bane. Um, Bane. Bane. <laughs> so Bane first appeared in 1993. Um, this is a little bit of a cop out because he's he's from a fictional country. He's from the country of Santa Prisca, which is a play on Cuba. Essentially, it's like a Central American yeah. Cuban country, but it's close enough. It's it's a Hispanic country. Um, I think we're all fairly familiar with Bane, uh, Batman villain incredible strength he gets the extra heightened abilities by venom um here for new world order uh and i think the bit that tends to be overlooked a bit uh when bane's involved is his genius level intellect um i know our favorite and the best best interpretation that we've had of bane so far in batman and robin uh, did just amazing job with that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't totally just make him a grunt that only grunted the entire movie. No, oh, no. God. How would they ever do that? <laughs> uh, I, I, I kind of want to watch that movie and like do a shot every time something ridiculous happens, but I'll die. I, so you'd be dead like 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have to drink so much? Um, but yeah, we've seen Bane here and there throughout the years. Um, we had him Dark Knight Rises, obviously with Tom Hardy, uh, hysterical in Harley Quinn. Oh my god, god, just <laughs> the shit that they do with Bane. Like, I know he's a character that you should really take serious because he's a threatening guy, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> he, he at times my favorite character on the show. <laughs> he's Absolutely. just he, like, first of all, they use the Tom Hardy thing. Which is hilarious, mm-hmm. but like he, he like low key cares. <laughs> like <laughs> he doesn't overtly do it, but like he like low key cares. Mm-hmm. Oh god, um, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Jesus, Bane. Um, so yeah, Bane is like one of the most intimidating villains out there because like he is the one that has the claim to fame that he physically and mentally has broken Batman before and no other villains really done that, which is an impressive feat. Sure is. And yeah, I don't know what more to say. It's like I said, Bane is a character you probably are familiar with already, but figured it's worth highlighting because I feel like he just doesn't get as much attention as he probably deserves. Like he's a fascinating character, but he's just, I think underutilized. Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I love about him is the, the Luchador mask. 
like oh, i yeah. love like it's it's just steeped in hispanic culture um and you know, again that genius level intellect like makes him very very dangerous um it, it's it's so fun to read and watch somebody who can kind of go toe-to-toe with some of the most brilliant characters in the dcu and it's it's just it's impressive especially when he's such a physical monster thanks to venom you know it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy all right so next on my list i've got blue beetle specifically jaime reyes so he first appeared in infinite crisis in 2006 uh he is a chicano he lives in el paso um so i believe his parents are from mexico um his powers are from an alien, alien, alien scarab that bonds with Jaime. Although the origin of that scarab tends to get reconned every few years, so I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Um, <laughs> and he's been involved with the Teen Titans and the Justice League at various points throughout his superhero career. And he's just a fascinating character because, in at least like original sort, actually might have been one of the retcons. I don't know. This guy's gone through like three retcons of his history at this point, so it's hard to keep track of what's actually the truth at this point um but he's worked with the past blue beetle ted cord at times he's unfortunately worked with booster gold a lot you love it so much (sighs) (laughs) but it's cool just to see like a teenage latino superhero that has been so well responded by the community that people absolutely love him i feel like blue beetle was a character that was always there when it was Ted Cord or whoever the previous guy was. Um, but like people didn't actually care about the character until Jaime took the mantle. And it's a testament that he was able to bring a character like Blue Beetle back into the limelight like that. Um, and the fact that we're getting a full movie based on the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle coming up. Well, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see. Uh, we're supposed to be getting a full movie with him as the lead in there is going to be so much fun to watch because I think this might be the first Latino lead hero that we've gotten. Supposed no, supposed to be second. Cause oh no, no, no. Yeah, it was it will be first because yeah. I think Sasha Kelly's uh Supergirl was was on the docket too. Right. She's was Leslie Grace? Is Leslie Grace uh Latino? The Batgirl? I don't know. I'll look. look Um, So at least for DC, uh, he'll be the first Latino superhero. We did have another one in Marvel, which we'll get to a little bit later in this list um, recently. But for DC, he'll at least be the first Latino hero uh, that we get on screen again, assuming we actually get this movie. I think Leslie Grace is a Latino. Huh. Okay. She's, I mean, well, she might be Chicano. Yeah, because she's Chicana. born here, I believe. But yeah, yep. Dominicano, there she is. Dominicana. Yeah, yeah, true. Dominicana. Thank you. What? Spanish is a gendered language, damn it. Sure is, but I'm used to saying it with uh with um baseball players. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, Blue Beetle. I mean, he's just a fun character. He's a fascinating character. Just his power suit, what he can do. And then just him being a Latino superhero. It's just, it's something different. Um, He was one, I think one of the first, like really big ones, at least for a while that we had gotten. 
Um, so I, I'm excited for this movie. I agree. Like, I feel like, I mean, there's there's just tangible things that I'm excited about. Um, first of all, uh, Latino uh, teenager is huge because we kind of get it with a lot of other characters. Um, there's all kinds of just uh, in the spirit of the episode Gringo uh, <laughs> teenage superheroes. Uh, you know, there's there's other you know African American uh, teenage superheroes, but not a whole lot of uh, Hispanic teenage superheroes. So there isn't. Like, when you when you get one like this, like it makes it more special. And honestly, I don't know about anybody else, but Jaime is my favorite Blue Beetle. He's that's, he's most interesting yeah. to me. That's um, what I was saying. Like people, they they might know about Ted Cord, but he's one of those old white dudes basically that yeah he's not that interesting when he's in a sea of old white dudes in it, comics it, and he's so often paired with another white dude that it's just like yeah okay sure but we've seen this over and over again yeah i so, mean something completely different yeah so all right next i've got jessica cruz oh yeah, so she was she's Green Lantern. Uh, she first appeared in 2014. Uh, she's a Chicana. Uh, she's of Mexican and Honduran descent. Um, so a little bit of background of the character, and this came straight from the site that I had been researching on, and it was pretty intense. So I, I, I'm going to read this verbatim. So Jessica Cruz and her friends are on a hunting trip when they accidentally stumble across two men bearing a body. The men brutally murder her friends. Jessica manages to escape, but is left traumatized. As soon as I read them, I'm like, the, the, the fuck? Dude, reading that story is one of the most intense things because she, I mean, it, it, it changes her like yeah. so intensely. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's hard. It's a hard it's- just reading that those few sentences i'm like i don't think i ever knew that and what the fuck i literally my notes say the fuck (laughs) um but basically this trauma leads to her obtaining all powering it's not a green lantern powering initially it's comic fuckery again um but it's all powering that she then gets trained to be a green lantern um she's a i don't think i've ever read any jessica cruz stories but from what i've heard People absolutely love her and consider her her their favorite Green Lantern. Um, if not for Kyle, if not for Kyle, it would be Jess. It, I mean, it's very, they're very close in my heart. Um, Jess, all right, go ahead. I'll let you finish, and then I'll then I'll run. No, no, please go on. Okay. So <laughs> Jess, uh, first of all, she deals with like severe anxiety, right? Like it's what it's crippling. Like she can't go outside. Like can't interact with people it takes everything and like when you read that it's one of the first times i really realized like oh that's what that feels like for for people you know mm-hmm. you just you just you can't you cannot function outside of your bubble and um uh, from going from being basically an agoraphobic with things with extreme anxiety to literally being a a super powered space cop it's an incredible journey for her and everything that happens with her in comics. I'm like, I'm there. There was a book. Um, God. 
it was like Justice League Odyssey. That's what it was. Okay. Where um, Starfire and Cyborg and a couple others, I think Osriel's one of them too, they go out into unexplored space after the events of Metal, I believe, and the source wall comes down. Possibly. And, I think I read that a little bit in the research. And she, like, she's so kick ass in that series. Um, her ring gets destroyed. There's time travel fuckery. Um, it's it's so good. She becomes such a leader and, and stuff like that in there while still like grappling with her her issues, right? And then she becomes later on, like more recently, becomes a yellow lantern. So she uses oh? fear instead of will. Huh. And it is she is something let me tell you i can I, imagine i absolutely love her just from the time she's introduced with with uh simon to everything she everything since she's just an incredible character one of my favorites and she's supposed to be for that hbo max show that we still know nothing about she's supposed to be one of the lead lanterns right i believe so uh, but you know that's again huge asterisk is it coming out mm-hmm. i hope so i really want that show me too um and i hope that they do poke a bit on jessica because like i said from what i've heard everyone loves her and she's such an amazing character especially with people talking about like mental health stuff more mm-hmm. in, in the open i feel like that story is is now super important to put out there all right so moving on to my next one on the list i have renee montoya uh, another one that kind of out of left field that you may not know as well because she tends to take a little bit smaller roles in a lot of these stories. She first appeared in 1992 for specifically Batman the Animated Series, uh, but the modern interpretation interpretation of Renee appeared in 2015. So she kind of went dormant for a few years after some shit happened, and then they kind of brought her back. Uh, she's Dominicana. Uh, she's a Gotham City detective. So she... <laughs> Eventually, her initial incarnation leaves the force after some drama happens. She gets framed for some stuff, uh, and she becomes the question for a little while. Um, and then the character kind of goes dormant for a while, and then they bring her back. And Renee's actually been having a bit of a resurgence the last few years. She showed up in that questionable Gotham show. <laughs> I um, see what she did there. She was in Birds of Prey and she was phenomenal in Birds of Prey mm, yeah. as the, the troubled detective that finds her way. Um, so she's been having a bit more of a resurgence of late. And I, I think that's well-deserved because she is a f- really interesting character when it comes to th- like the human cop side of things. Because especially in Gotham, you get a lot of that with the different detectives and stuff. And it's like every main detective that you can got them bring something new. So you got Gordon, who's like the upstanding moral one. Um, and you've got these other cops that are like the titch of the um, stereotypical corrupt ones that will take the bribes and stuff. But then you got Renee, who's just the one that's trying her best to do the right thing, but still gets sucked into the fold of things. And she's an interesting character to focus on a bit more. I'm glad that she's getting the limelight, especially because she is um, a Latina character and we need more of that representation. I agree. Uh, I I loved her role in 52, the weekly comic series from DC uh, from like, let's say 2004 or something like that. It's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's really where she becomes the question. It's it making her a central character in that is is incredible. I might I might have to reread that. Uh, it, it's a delightful series. And that's sure. the point of this list is to shine spotlights and maybe make people go back and reread things or read things for the first time or read things for the first time. There's a few things on here that I'm like, Ooh, I should probably go read that. All right. Next on my list, I've got vibe or Cisco Ramon. Um, so he's a Puerto Riqueño and a Colombiano. Uh, he first appeared in 1984. I just realized 1984. Okay. Fun. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of people are familiar with Vibe and Cisco in general uh, from the Flash show that we've been having for the last 10 years, even though it should have ended six years ago. Anyway, um, (laughs) but the vibe that we get in the comics, at least initially, is very different. Very different. (laughs) So I'm so happy you brought that brought this character up. So in the comics, he is a former gang member that joins the new Justice League after the first one gets disbanded. And at first, the Justice League's just like, I don't know if we really want a gang member on our team. But they let him in anyway after they see what he can do and all this other stuff. And then he gets the Justice League involved into a gang war. But, you know, small things. (laughs) Kiddo. Um, Yeah, Cisco, I I know him from The Flash. Um, Very different take of the character very much a nerd um and i I think for the show that works very well how true it is to the who the character is supposed to be uh, maybe maybe not so great but they rewrote the character and gave him a new life as someone new and i I appreciate that because i I don't know how well this cisco this old cisco would have vibed with modern culture and Uh, look at you tonight did not mean to at all on fire <laughs> neither of those were intentional <laughs> it's like I, I just don't know how well that portrayal of like the latino and the gangs and stuff would have gone down so there was a a pretty serious problem uh when characters of color specifically black and latina characters would be introduced where they would be criminals first and then heroes, yep. a la Luke Cage, a la Sam Wilson, a la Cisco. Like, uh, uh, well, we don't need to do that. Like that—that's kind of why T'Challa is like so important because he was never a criminal first. He was just he was a, king. a king. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a disturbing trend, and one that I'm happy that we've moved away from because it's reductive. Uh, so you know, white people can vil- be villains too. You know, <laughs> sure can can also be uh-huh. criminals, believe it or not. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, the last one on my DC side of the list, I've got Wildcat or Yolanda Montez, um, another one that you may not really know. Um, so she first appeared in 1985. She's Mexicana. Um, her godfather is. This is weird, more comic bullshit. Her godfather was Ted Grant, who was the original Wildcat. Mm -hmm. Then during the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths, Ted falls into a coma, gets injured or whatever. Something happens to him. Um, And she ends up taking over the mantle of Wildcat. 
so while her mother was pregnant, uh, she received metahuman abilities from a drug experimentation. Uh, she's got cat-like agility and reflexes, basically a literal Catwoman instead of the figurative one that we get with Catwoman. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw her on here because a, I've read crisis twice and I always forget about her. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm like, Hey, I recognize that name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to throw her on here because I feel like she should get a little bit more appearance and a little more light shone on her. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring her up from the dregs a little bit and just be like, let's remember this character. Let's use her maybe a little bit more. See what we can do with her. I, I I agree with you. Like I forgot about her almost altogether. Um, man, I, I like really haven't thought about her. In, in, in She's been pretty dormant. I feel like after Crisis, they kind of just let the character lie dormant for a while. Like I don't know yeah. if they've really done much with her since, but uh, maybe it's time we bring her back. I agree. Mm-hmm. We could always use that more representation. Cool. So that was the DC side. You got a Marvel side of this? I thing? do have a Marvel side of this oh thing. My. Yes, I do. All right. It's about just as long. So buckle on. Like, <laughs> this is a podcast. We can do what we want. All right. So the first one on my list is Ajak from The Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm probably going to switch between saying he and she because in the comics, he's a he. In the movie, she's a she. Uh... The... It's kind of different now because Ajax has been both a male and a female. Uh, I'm just going to say they. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably safer to say they. Okay. So they first appeared in 1976. Um, they're interesting because they're the one unique one on this list that is a god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they're Peruvian. Uh, they're an Incan god. Uh, and, you know, the, the usual godlike powers, cosmic energy manipulation, superhuman strength, cellular regeneration, the usual bullshit. <laughs> um, so I only know the character because of the highly underrated, the criminally underrated Eternals movie. You, you know what? Uh, first of all, I'm a huge Eternals fan. I've, I've been reading Eternals since like 2004 or something like that. Um, however... I was just editing the episode that we did on Eternals, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Yo, I forgot how much I really enjoyed this movie." I know, I know, everybody doesn't love it. Fine, I don't care. But it was, it was so different and beautifully shot. I was, I was like, I want to go rewatch it. I do. Like, I was one of those people that going into it, I was just like, "This movie is going to be so slow and so boring. I'm not going to like this." I walked out of it I'm like, I love that. Like, I would. <laughs> I might even consider putting it in one of my top 10 of the MCU. Like mm. I really enjoy that movie. We'll have to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll redo that at some point. At some point. Oh God, I have to go through another MCU rewatch. Uh, oh you, God. Don't, you don't have to. It's, it's, it's a nice website. Content uh, but it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice content. All right. Next on my list, we've got the fifth ghost writer, Robbie Reyes. <laughs> Uh, I didn't realize he was the fifth. I thought he was the second. I didn't realize that even Johnny wasn't the first. <laughs> no, Johnny was not. The first. Honestly, the way that things are being rewritten now, um, it probably goes back even further because probably like Avengers is doing uh, Avengers one billion BC. Oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> so there's there's a ton of of Ghost Rider in there. So I mean, the the fifth that we. The release order. Yeah. 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 All right. So Robbie first appeared in 2014 and he's a Chicano. 
Uh, so his story is very tragic. <laughs> um, so he lived in East LA with his younger brother who was uh, disabled. I forget if it was mentally or just developmentally disabled. Um, but in any case, like he was trying to like make a better life for him and his brother. He ended up entering an illegal street race uh, to get some cash and gets killed during the race because the car that he borrowed from the mechanic shop had some drugs in there and the drug dealers came and wanted to get the drugs back and he died. Um, so what's interesting about him though, is that unlike the previous riders, he's not actually possessed by a spirit of vengeance, but rather by the spirit of his strange serial killer uncle, who was a Russian hitman because comics. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's the weirdest origin, not the weirdest, but it's up there. I read that. I was just like, I, I have to write this word for word because I need to read this word for word. Cause it's just what. I think there was one or two things I wanted to say that I already forgot that was on this list, but like, oh my God, it was a hell of a ride to see that. But what I love about Robbie is that unlike every other ghost rider before him, who's always seen riding like the motorcycle and stuff, Robbie has a fucking charger. Uh-huh. Got, like, I think it's a 67 charger oh, that all oh, it's so good. It's, it's so him. Um, And then, We've also gotten Robbie in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Um, so if you had watched that, then I think it was season four or something like that, they had Ghost Rider in there. I think so. Uh, they did such a good job portraying him there as well. Um, and the story is pretty accurate to what it actually is supposed to be in the comics. Yeah. From what I remember, right? when I was reading the synopsis, I'm like, wait, I think I remember that from the show. Like, I think, yeah, they did a really good job of actually adapting that. Yeah. So, I mean... I want to see more Robbie. Like I want to see more Ghost Rider in general, but like Same. I hope that they if they eventually bring Ghost Rider into the MCU, they choose Robbie instead of Johnny. Um I, I would see. like uh, I would like multiple Ghost Riders in the same movie. That'd be that'd be great. Like let's just let's just go for it. Like you can get some weird crazy shit. And it makes sense in the comics why there are multiple ones. It's they're just mm-hmm. demons. <laughs> Like, yeah. who cares how many there are? Um, but yeah, if you're interested at all in Ghost Rider, go check out some Robbie Reyes stuff. Um, from what I've heard, it's always a good read. So, mm-hmm. all right, these next two are probably ones that you know fairly well, either because of main cult, main pop culture, or because we have talked about them fairly recently. Uh, so next to my list, I've got America Chavez or Miss America. Um, she first appeared in 2011. Uh, she's Puerto Rican. Uh, we talked about her at length uh, during our Doctor Strange episode, the Multiverse of Madness episode. Yeah. We There's did a character whole... breakdown available back in your feeds. Go back and, and listen to it for the first time. If you're new to the show, thank you so much. If you've listened to it before and just need a refresher, go back and grab it. Yeah. The, the gist of it is that um, she received her abilities at one point because her mothers were researching um, her genetic disease that they were trying to cure. And she basically has the ability to open transdimensional star portals so she can hop between different realities. And it's fucking amazing. And they did such a good job portraying her in Doctor Strange um, that I cannot wait to see what they do with her. Um, Left her just sitting there 
uh, in the middle of the Himalayan mountains and Carmitage, yeah, yep. So, what are you gonna I do with her, Wong? That, surprised he hasn't shown up at all. Never mind, it's kind of spoilery if you haven't watched. Yeah, um, maybe she will. Maybe she will. Who knows? Um, but yeah, if you want to get a little more information about her, again, we it's fairly recently now that we've talked about her, so I would advise going back and checking out that episode, especially if you've already watched the movie. Um, go check out that episode. Or just check it out anyway. We, yeah, exactly. If you haven't already. And if you have, do it again. Why not again? That was a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, we gushed a lot over uh, over America just because she's uh, cool and a badass. And uh, I love her. Yeah. And I think we also brought her up during uh, the Pride episodes as well. So go back and listen to that one as well. Because right <laughs> right she's right just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely go check her out um, just in the comics as well. If you want to read some more because she's a fun character. All right, this next one I think is everyone's favorite, Mr. Miles Morales. Of course. Of course. Uh, he first appeared in 2011. He's Puerto Rican. Uh, his mother is from Puerto Rico, or at least is Puerto Rican herself. Um, basically, he's a Spider Man. He's essentially got the same powers as Pete, but with the additional camouflaging biologic abilities. Um, just a small little tweak for his thing. And it, come on, it's Miles. So I really need to say more at this point. Like, no. It's Miles Morales. I think everyone at this point knows who the hell Miles Morales is. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about the character, the best way I can tell you to get involved with him is go watch Inch of the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Like that is the probably the best way to get to know the character. Excellent introduction. Um, like because his his actual first appearances are in the ultimate universe, which no longer exists, first of all. Um, but it also like um it's very steeped in the lore of ultimate Spider-Man where Peter dies and miles takes over. And like, you kind of might feel a little lost up front um, about things that are going on. There's, there's a recurring joke in the first volume where miles is running around dressed in uh, a costume of Pete, old costume of Peter's. It's mm-hmm. not his, his typical black and red. Um, and everybody's like, man, this is really in bad taste. The guy just died, like over and over again. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's it's a very funny joke uh, to me, anyway. But yeah, we all know Miles. We all love Miles. <laughs> all right. So next, second to last on my list here was actually who I was originally going to do a character breakdown on, but then I decided to do on someone else, um, which we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, but next, I got Julio Esteban Richter, also known as Richter from the X Men. Um, so he first appeared in 1987 in X-Force and New Mutants, um, kind of in both at once, essentially. He's Mexicano. He has the ability to create seismic events and cause things to crumble f- using vibrational energy. His last name is spelled R-I-C-H-T-E-R, which if you know science is the Richter scale, mm-hmm. which is the scale they use to measure earthquakes. So it all makes sense because comics are fun and creative like that. <laughs> Um, so basically during his first appearances, he was captured by an anti-mutant group called the right and his uncontrollable seismic powers were amplified in an attempt to destroy San Francisco before being saved by X-Force, um, which then kind of leads to him being involved with the X-Men a bit more. Uh, he's a character I don't really know about. And I didn't know until I was doing research that he appeared in Logan. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, like a teenage version of him appeared in Logan. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, he's a character that I don't think I know like anything about. Uh, to be fair, there's a lot of big X Men that I just I may not have even heard of. 
Um, but from what I've seen, like, yeah, I can get behind this guy. Like he is like a lot of X-Men where he doesn't really know how to control his powers at first and things kind of go wrong and the X-Men have to step in and like, whoa, 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 let's, let's get that under control. And so Jesse, yes, no, there's other reasons that you might really be into Richter, right? He's LGBTQ. Okay. If you didn't, uh, I did not know that. Uh, he also, uh, fucks with some magic at times, like in the Krakoan age, he becomes a part of Apocalypse's team, which is very, very magic based. So, just saying. So, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Why am I only like just now hearing about this character then? <laughs> Look, I mean, there's a lot of X Men bullshit that goes on there. <laughs> like I've said multiple times before. <laughs> Price of admission is very high. It is. When it comes to that kind of stuff. There are so many times I've wanted to dive into X-Men books, but I'm just like, I just don't even know where to start because I know there's so much history here that I need to get through. You you are aware of the character Shatterstar? Uh, Maybe. It was was in Deadpool. Yes. Yes. Yes, Okay. Well, that's his partner. Oh. So. Fun. Yeah, their their love is is very deep, very deep. So there's even more reasons to go check out this character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I might just have to do some further research now. <laughs> All right, so the last one I have on my list for Marvel is another Spider. I've got Spider Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara. Mm-hmm. So he's an Irish Chicano. He's Chicano. Let's close it off. Uh, he first appeared in 1992. He is obviously lives in 2099, uh, but he is a brilliant. I know, right? Spoilers. <laughs> uh, he's a brilliant geneticist that accidentally gave himself abilities while experimenting, as one tends to do in comics. Uh, he essentially spliced half of his DNA into spider DNA. Don't know how that happened, but it just did. Um, so that again, he- happened, man. Yeah. Again, he essentially has the same powers as Pete. Uh, he can create organic webs, though, um, which I'm assuming is where Sam Raimi probably got the idea for those movies. Uh, he doesn't have a spidey sense like Pete does, but he does have enhanced hearing and visual perception. He's able to actually like zoom in his eyes, which is pretty fucking neat. And I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Wouldn't need glasses. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he's he is one of those spiders that I know by name and I know the look of, but I've never read anything about and i he's the one i've been like i want to know more about this character and lucky for us in across the spider-verse we're going to get a lot more spider-man 2099 sure are played by oscar isaac who is literally everywhere (laughs) (laughs) i uh i'm a little surprised that as far as spiders are concerned you didn't add anya corazon i was considering it but the list was getting very long at that point, as is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had to make cuts somewhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, Aranya. Yeah. Um, she's got the literal Spanish name. I mean, yeah. you, you think I would have included her, but eh, things had to get cut here and there. Yeah. We'll, we'll hit her up some point. Yeah. I'm sure we might even probably get her into one of the Spider-Verse movies. So yeah, sure. we'll do a character breakdown at that point. Give her the full spotlight. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite spiders. All right. So that's what I've got as far as characters for both DC and Marvel. 
Um, any other big characters besides the one that we're about to do the breakdown on um, that I missed that you want to throw your hat in? Ah, uh, man, you've, you've covered so many. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, I think I think you're you're good. I think uh, uh, Anya was was the one that I was just like, oh yeah, if you're gonna cover Spider, maybe go with a lesser known one. But no, that's good. Well, that and by that point, I already had two spiders, so it's just like hmm, yeah. maybe cool out of the spiders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I probably would have left Miles off because uh, yeah, he is well known, but he is still Hispanic. So, yeah, of course, of course, you don't want to. And I'm, I'm going to claim him too. Uh, by the way, for Black, yes. Black History Month, uh, it just there's no way I don't. It, like it's it's such a it's such a good combo. Uh, yeah, and you know who else has that combo? The person else, that Jess? we're about to talk about in our character breakdown. Cool. So let's dive into that. So this week, we're going to talk about Darwin. Um, Time to keep it in theme with our X-Men month that we have going alongside this. Uh, We decided to focus on an Hispanic X-Men character. So let's just dive right in and talk a little bit about this guy because he's fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) That was unsettling, but okay. Uh, Darwin, a.k.a. Armando Munoz, had a rough childhood growing up. Uh, he developed his mutant powers early on, which caused his family to fall apart. Essentially, his dad left them because he was uh, starting to show some mutant abilities. And then his mom blamed him for his dad leaving. And it was just a bad situation all around. So after scoring exceptionally well on an IQ test, which is incidentally also when his mutant powers really started to kick in, Armando was sent away to a prestigious school where he still didn't quite fit in. At this school, he was bullied mercilessly through which he discovered after having his head shoved into a toilet that he was capable of breathing underwater. After an incident with his mother nearly dying in a house fire and Darwin's attempted suicide because of his mother's continued rejection, he was recruited by Moira McTaggart to attempt to rescue the X-Men who were being held prisoner on Krakoa. This led to the usual comic bullshit and eventual long-standing work with the X-Men. So Darwin has arguably one of the most useful mutant powers around. Uh, which is instantaneous evolutionary adaptation. Basically, Darwin is able to rewrite his physiology in an instant and usually subconsciously adapt to whatever situation he finds himself in. He's underwater. He can now breathe in water. He is being physically attacked by a super strong enemy. His skin is now tough as diamond. He somehow finds himself in space. He can survive in a vacuum. This leads to him being essentially invulnerable and immortal. Darwin first appeared in 2006 in X-Men Deadly Genesis. Soon after his introduction, he appears in the Uncanny X-Men storyline Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Oh, I'm not sure if that's exactly how it said Shi'ar, Shi'ar. I've heard people say know. it both ways. I say Shi'ar, and that's what I'm going to roll with. I think that's what uh, I went with. <laughs> which, uh, which ran from 2006-2007. Since then, he's been a regular character in ongoing X-Factor books between 2008 and 2013. He's also had a brief appearance in the World War Hulk storyline, which your boy owns, where he first evolved to absorb gamma radiation. His body realized that the gamma radiation from Bruce was way too much, and instead he evolved teleportation abilities to nope the fuck out of there. I read that and I had to include that. I was just, <laughs> I was dying when I read that. <laughs> Where literally like, yeah, his body realized that it was just he couldn't do this. It was too strong of an enemy, so he just got out of there. 
<laughs> I uh, I love this character. Um, he's so strong, just as a result of the instantaneous adaptation. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. There's another character I want to talk about next week um, when we do the show, uh, who, who's just kind of a deep cut and like the the powers. Like you'll understand why it comes up when we talk about Darwin in my mind anyway, um, and. It's it's because the powers, like adapting so quickly, is just such a cool thing to have. And X Men has always, at its core, been about evolution, mm-hmm. uh, as well as you know discrimination, blah 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 blah. Um, I'll talk about that again more next week. Um, but the evolution of powers, you know, a lot of mutants get secondary mutant abilities, whatever. Beast becomes more feral. In his look, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but his doesn't really need it. Like it's just, he just—he's already peak. Yeah, it's kind of OP, honestly. It's—it's it's one of those powers that, like, when you hear about it, you're like, okay, that doesn't sound so great. But then you start to think about it, and you're like, oh no, like this is actually probably one of the best powers you could have. Think about daily inconveniences. I have to wear glasses. I would no longer need glasses. Nope. I have allergies. I would no longer no, have you allergies. Don't. <laughs> like, uh, if you're if you if you sunburn easily, you no longer sunburn. You don't have to worry about diseases or getting sick or any of that. Never. Honestly, I don't know how you don't behave a little recklessly just all the time. Yeah, knowing that your body's just gonna subconsciously alter itself so that way no harm comes to you. Yeah, like it's insane. it's insane. <laughs> All right, so that was just a little bit about Darwin. Uh, so let's dive back into my magical list of wonders. Yes. Uh, and let's switch things over to the creator side of things. So these are artists, writers, pencilers, whatever. Just people that were involved in bringing some of these characters to life. Um, so this is obviously not an exhaustive list. This is just a few uh, creators that I found out there that I wanted to kind of bring into light a little bit. So man, let's, just, let's just go for it. Let's go. So my first one on this list is Eduardo Riso. Uh, he's an Argentinian um, artist. He is most well known for his work on the DC series 100 Bullets. I had never heard of the series, but apparently oh, it's, yeah. it's been very long running um, from what I've seen. Uh, something I might want to check out. Um, I forget about that all the time. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, he's also done art for a lot of other DC properties, including... Uh, doing some art for some Batman issues in 2003, 2004. Uh, he worked on some JSA All-Stars stuff. Uh, he worked on some Jonah oh. Hex. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, nice. He worked on Flashpoint, Batman Night of Vengeance. Uh, and he worked on, uh, before Watchmen, the Moloch number one through two issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, he also did some cover work for Superman, specifically Superman number 700. And before Watchmen, Community number one. He did some Marvel work as well, um, mainly with Logan back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a little bit of work with both companies, um, but he tends to work more with DC, especially with uh, that 100 Bullet series. Like it. So next to my list, I've got Pia Guerra. Uh, she's Chilean. She is, and this is going to be a little bit probably lesser known to some people. She's a co-creator and penciler for Why the Last Man. Uh, which is published by Vertigo. Um, but she's done some work for Marvel and DC, where she's been a penciler for Spider-Man Unlimited, 
Um, and she's also been an artist on Black Canary. Um, so Why the Last Man is an incredible series. That's what I've heard. That's um, kind of why I wanted to throw her on here, because although it's not DC or Marvel, I figured it's a series that people will probably know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just so again, you you might kind of it's a little dated now because it's like turn of the century, 2000 mm-hmm. um, based, but it's like a dystopian take where love it. All, all the males save two are eliminated due to this virus mm-hmm. and, and it's the journey of him trying to find his girlfriend Yorick um, but women have I mean people are people so women have fractured into groups and mm-hmm. it's it's insane so I've heard you talk about the series before and how I, I specifically would enjoy uh, reading through it and I mean to it's been on my ever growing list of things that I, I need to look I own at. it like honestly we just don't see each other face to face enough yeah. um, but I, I will I will gladly lend you the I think at some point. years ago when we first started this you gave me a stack of comics I think that was in there at least one of the issues that were in there so I think it's downstairs yeah. somewhere yeah, maybe um, but I'll go check it out at some point all right so next and what I found interesting is that I've got a lot of Chileans on this list huh interesting I yeah, wonder interesting. why I don't know but Chile is actually a country I would love to visit one day. Yeah. Seriously. That's neither here nor there. Um, so next I have Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh, he is also Chilean. He is an artist. Um, again, not really uh, DC or Marvel property, but um, Netflix just made a whole series about this. Um, so if you are familiar with the Lock and Key series of comics, he was a co-creator for that. He has also been commissioned by DC in the past to draw for Adventures of Superman. Um, so if you're interested in Superman stuff, eh, maybe go check out his stuff. Uh, specifically, he was doing that around 2013. So it's been a few years now, but, um, yeah, go check out his stuff. Uh, so next I have Jorge Molina. Uh, he's a Mexicano. Uh, he works with Marvel for the most part. Uh, he's done a lot of cover work, including Avengers assemble and new mutants. Um, and then as far as working inside issues, the current new means, um, all I got was an issue number, which was new, uh, new in summer 34. I didn't get a year with that. So okay. I'm not sure if it's the current run. Um, and then as far as like working inside the issues themselves, he has done a lot of work on spider Geddon. Um, he worked on Thor back in 2014. Yep. Uh, he worked on a force in 2016. Um, and he worked on X-Men blue in 2018. Um, good. Uh, so many books that I read: X Men Blue, of course, Spider Geddon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just a lot of a lot of books, a lot of books. All right. So this next one is a big one. Uh, he was a giant in Marvel uh, for the longest time. Joe Quesada. Yeah, of course. Uh, so he's a Cuban American. Uh, writer, artist, editor, TV producer, and the freaking editor in chief at Marvel. Um, at least until I think it was this year or year, last year. Yeah, this year. Earlier this year. Um, so he actually started doing some stuff at DC very early on. He helped co-create the character Azrael in the story, uh, Batman story, uh, Sword of Azrael. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he got recruited by Marvel. He went over to Marvel, and he essentially helped to bring Marvel back from the brink of bankruptcy yeah um so he produced the books marvel knights which included series for daredevil punisher the inhumans and black panther 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was interesting is that during his time as editor in chief, he instituted the dead is dead policy in the office, which was basically his way of telling the writers to not just killing, not just to kill characters off on a whim, like really think about it. Cause when you kill a character, I want you to make sure that they stay dead sort of thing. Like actually like put some thought and creativity into these storylines, not just resorting to just yeah. killing characters every week. He was like, sort of if you kill a character, I don't want to see them again. Yeah. Which I thought was, is a good mentality to have because it makes your writers really think about what they're doing instead of just resorting to like the, oh, are they going to die sort of thing? It's, it's, it takes the safety away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because most writers, when they finish a run, put all the toys back in the toy box. But when this happened, it was like, oh, if I kill somebody, you can't use them anymore. <laughs> Like, yeah, if we just like bringing back Bucky was like a huge decision, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but we again, it's one of the situations where we never saw a body. So, of course, you, you, you know, the rule is you don't see a body, they're not dead. Um, but so many characters, they're, they're down and they're, they're down, down. And like he even said in interviews, like he didn't mean it to be like literal all the time. Like he did, he didn't. If you kill the character, yes, they could bring them back, but they didn't want the writers to have to rely on that and use the easy way out of these stories. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. I wanted to throw that in there just because, you know, it was one of his big decisions that he did while he was in charge over there. Yeah. Um, He helped to usher in the ultimate line of comic books and the whole ultimate universe. Yep. Um, And he also worked specifically on Amazing Spider-Man from 2007 to 2010. Uh, X Factor uh, during his early years there between 92 and 93. Uh, he worked on Iron Man Volume 3, the annual from 2000, uh, and just various series at Marvel during his whole tenure there. Uh, that was a very abbreviated look at his credentials because yeah. this guy was everywhere at Marvel. And like I said, he was the editor in chief at Marvel for I think it was about 20 years or something like that. Yeah, uh, his, he, maybe a little longer. His covers were unprecedented, man. Like they were. They were just gorgeous. Uh, he did, and he did so many. Um, I know some people. He, he can be con- controversial because I know some people didn't love Joe, um, mm-hmm. but Joe loved comics. So it's like it's it's not. Uh, I don't say. I know why I said loved because he still does, obviously. Um, <laughs> but he, he he put that reverence in there, and comics were about the comics. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next one on my list, I'm not 100% certain how to pronounce his last name because it's not a traditional Spanish last name. Uh, it's either David Aja or David Aja, not A-J-A, not yeah. 100% certain. Um, uh, but he is Spanish. He's a Spanish artist. Uh, he's best known for working on Immortal Iron Fist and Hawkeye. Um, those are the two big series that I saw that he had his hands yes. in. Um, he's also been involved in some Daredevil, some Secret Avengers, and some Batman Black and White um, over the years as well. I was actually the Batman Black and White was just last year. Yes. Um, um, yeah, he, he's done he's done a lot of really epic stuff, and like his his work on Hawkeye was unbelievable to me. Uh, if we're if we're being honest, it, it's just such a, a unique art style, and it sucks you in. Like you can you can just fall in and you see all the influence 
in uh in the Hawkeye show. So yeah. All right, and the last one I got on my list here is Umberto Ramos. Oh. Uh, he's Mexicano. He's a penciler. He has a long list of both cover and inside works for both Marvel and DC. My God. Uh, he is best known for Spectacular Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, Impulse, uh, the Impulse comics from uh, the 90s, and Runaways. So um, Umberto Ramos has a very distinct style right and like it works so perfectly for spider-man at first when i i remember when i first saw his work you know i'm so used to um classic spider-man artists john Romita jr john Romita, um uh kirby of course Mm -hmm. um you know all these all these other guys who've just done like incredible work with spider-man and you see his and it's so angular and spider-man in weird contorted positions and it's all knees and elbows Mm. and the big expressive eyes and just like it it does something to you when you read like at first like i said i really wasn't sure how i felt i don't even think i liked it at first the more i read i was like yo this is an amazing way to look at this character and like the shots that he would use like above the city and just, you know, Spider-Man and, and what you'd consider Spider-Man poses. Mm-hmm. It's, it was so, it's so fun to read. And, uh, you know, you'd see him at comic cons and he'd be sketching stuff out and he was just super approachable and kind. Uh, I follow him. I think I'm pretty sure I follow him on Twitter and stuff like that. So it's just like, man, what a cool dude. What a cool dude. <laughs> So that was just a look at some of the Hispanic characters and creators um, that have appeared in comics over the years that have brought these comics to life over the last 20, 30 years. Um, Again, not an exhaustive list was just meant to shine a light on some characters that you may well know on some characters that you may never have heard of before that you might want to go check out now. Or uh, maybe there was a creator on this list that you've never heard of that oh, maybe that work looked interesting. Go check them out. Um, go check out all the creators that we just mentioned on this list. Um, and yeah, that that's pretty much all I got. Um, any last minute things you want to throw in here? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I just know next time when we can we reconvene on the next episode of the Twistcast, uh, we will be talking about X-Men yet again. So we're going to talk about some deep cut characters. Uh, some really big stories. Uh, we'll play a little game. And, uh, you know, we're just going to really have some more fun with X-Men. All right. That sounds great. Um, so also don't forget to check out our T Public page. Uh, I am sure there's a sale going on right now. There literally is. <laughs> and, and there's if, one coming next week in case you missed this one. And if by the time you actually listen to this episode, there isn't a sale, literally give it a week or two. There's probably a sale coming up. Uh, but we are getting now into the colder season, so get yourself a nice, a nice hoodie, get yourself a t-shirt, just wear around the house, get long yourself a tea, yeah, yeah, long sleeve tea, go get yourself a coffee mug or something like that. Yeah, just just, just fuck around a little bit. Uh also don't forget to check out our socials, um, uh, Instagram, Facebook-ish sort of. I think I said that every time, but we don't really use it anymore. Um yeah, Twitter, it, but like yeah, uh Instagram. Yeah, just go check out all of our socials. Um check Links out the site the itself. Notes. Yeah, links are always in the show notes. Go check out the site itself, Um, Stuff is popping up on there every once in a while. And 
eh, just just go explore, have fun, just just get to know us a bit. <laughs> yeah, enjoy enjoy our content, enjoy it. Yeah, uh, there, there's a ton of it out there. Uh, Jesse, good job tonight, man. Yeah, good job. It's good work. See, we'll let you drive the bus more often. See, senor. Do uh, do a little less work out here. What am I doing all the work? What? What am I doing? You're doing so much more work from now on. Well, see, I did all the pride stuff because, you know, the pride thing is my thing. I did all the Hispanic stuff because the Hispanic stuff is my thing. But the rest is all comic stuff, which is more your thing. All right. Your, Your logic is sound. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us on this episode of the Twistcast. So until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. Everyone, stay twisted. Todos están retorcidos. Retorcidos.